Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So, we get to talk to Eric Rue today, and it's a guy that... I've uh, been looking forward to talking to him for quite a while now, and as you guys will know, on Friday, uh, Eric is going to be a part, a special part of SID Cast Growth, along with three other individuals. And I can proudly say that right now, Eric is one of those three individual, or one of those four individuals, I might add. Uh, but we will go through all about his background, all about um, lacrosse. I finally get my lacrosse episode to talk a little bit about that. Um, we also go through his role from basically being an SID day one in high school. Uh, we talked to a lot of you guys, and um, I, I, we get the phrase a lot. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, they always say, looking back on it, uh, I was meant to be an SID because of the things that they did. Well, Eric is no exception to that. He used to take stats and notes and, and tracking of, of things at, at his high school teams uh, because, as he put it, he was five foot five and a buck 40 soaking wet. Uh, so couldn't do a whole lot about that unless uh, you know, maybe you could have wrestled a little bit, Eric. I don't know. Um, but we will go through all about his upbringing, all about how his journey from Towson to MLL uh, back to the Baltimore area, Loyola uh, to Towson, and now where he is at with UNC Wilmington. We'll also go through some discussion. I know a lot of you are big proponents of this. We see that a lot on Twitter nowadays. Uh, thank you. Saying thank you, thank you notes, especially with the handwritten thank you notes. Uh, Eric will talk about that, all about how he keeps track of all that, where to put your energy into saying thank you to someone that maybe won't say thank you back to whether you should probably stop conversing with them or maybe just stop saying, uh, sending out handwritten thank you notes like that. And we'll also go through his extensive credential collection. It's very, very impressive, but, um, and where we will start off today with SIDCast in episode number 108 with uh, Eric Rue of the UNC Wilmington Seahawks. This is his very first taste of sports information right here on SIDCast. Uh, my very first taste of sports information was as a college freshman. Um, I had been accepted to Towson University. Uh, for the fall of 2000, I can't believe it's nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> and my original plan was to become a manager for the men's lacrosse team. And Ooh. when the men's lacrosse coach met me and knew my background, he knew the, the high school coach that I worked with. He made a recommendation to the sports information office, as it was called back then, to see if I could work with them. And uh, I met with them after I'd been accepted. Um, then in September, I started my college career. 
and I was doing PA for soccer games and hmm. helping out at football games, and it just grew from there. Yeah. So, um, did you play lacrosse when you were uh, younger? No. 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 You just like lacrosse I, that much, huh? As I as I put it, growing up in in high school, it was kind of funny. In high school, I was always a stats geek. Like I yeah. love stats. I love numbers, but. Um, I was five feet five and 140 pounds dripping wet and that's not going to work out too well. Uh And as a result, I started just keeping stats for soccer and basketball and lacrosse and wrestling and football. And you name the sport at at my high school, I probably was involved in one way, shape or form that kind of parlayed into a part-time job at the local TV station in Baltimore doing stats for the lacrosse broadcasts. Hmm. And that kind of, that was the original plan. And then they had me as the graphics coordinator. Oh, wow. So here I am, 17 years old, walking into a production truck for the first time. It was Princeton and Johns Hopkins. Uh, and I'm supposed to be quite the game, yeah. telling somebody else who's on the machine what to put up, when to put up, and how to put up. Right. A little overwhelming. Uh-huh. Um, so how did you deal with that? Um, acted like I owned the joint. <laughs> Yeah. Which I got put in my place real quick. Um, you know, I did that for a few years until I became the men's lacrosse contact at Towson. And then that kind of had to go to the side because obviously I was going to be a little busy and I couldn't commit to the schedule, um, mm-hmm. which was disappointing. Those guys, and, and I still talk to some of them today uh, on the crew at the station, uh, they're they're like family. And, you know, they they were... Some of those guys were at my wedding. Wow. Um, you know, they were there when I graduated from Towson. Um, they couldn't believe it. Um, but that was an experience in and of itself. And it, and it kind of gave me a little bit of an advantage to know what TV folks were looking for. Right, yeah. Because here I am on the other side reading through these game notes and media guides and game programs and dealing with SIDs and getting, you know, and all this stuff. It was like out of the, out of the classroom training. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess though that experience and, you know, working in the sports information office at Towson as an undergrad really helped my career um, to the point where I had my first job lined, my first post college job lined up four months before I graduated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll let you in on a secret, actually. One of my goals, uh, as far as sports information is concerned, is to uh, be a part of a uh, school that has lacrosse with it. Because I think Southern Indiana did me dirty by not introducing me to lacrosse until I was 19. Um, It's a very fast-paced sport. Yeah. It's exciting to watch as long as it's... And and the NCAA has done a really good job of making changes to the rules to kind of speed the tempo up yeah the shot clock shot clock yeah possession clock whatever you want to call it um because there were days like princeton back in the day would just sit on the ball and it would yeah. take two three minutes and that, that's what they were known for they were they were you know they were good they were i mean they're still one of the top programs in the country mm-hmm. but um you know just that sport i mean that sport catapulted my career yeah uh, yeah more than I ever realized it was going to. 
Well, you talked a little bit about you started doing PA and things like that in undergrad, but then you said your roles grew. How, how would you say the progression of your roles grew during your undergrad at Towson? I went from doing PA and things like that to actually covering events on my own. Mm. Um, my boss at the time was doing statistics for the Baltimore Ravens radio crew. And there were Sundays where we would have soccer and he would have the Ravens. And it got to the point where he trusted me enough to come in, stat the game, do the PA, run the scoreboard, and then write the story and send it out and post, and post everything online. Mm-hmm. Um, my final year, uh, I was the swimming and diving contact. So I did all the stuff, you know, and they had me travel with teams during my time as an undergrad. I, I remember a trip to uh, Denver with the men's lacrosse team mm-hmm. um, because it was during that crossover season. And my boss, the head of our office, had men's basketball and men's lacrosse, and it was during their conference tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, so I remember flying to Denver with the team. We got stuck out there, I think, for an extra day. And... I came back and we had a TV game the following week. So I came back and I said, well, why don't I, you know, I've been out there for two games. Why don't I come back and I update the game notes? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so I came back into the office yeah. as soon as we got back, updated them. I knew exactly what I wanted because it was a TV game that I was going to be involved with. And, uh, you know, it worked out from there, but they, the, the folks at Towson, Peach Flair, Dan O'Connell, they gave me, in education in the business. Now this was also pre social media and really video right. and um the websites both on the on the early stages of being important. Mm-hmm. Uh after grad I mean you said that you had a uh, a job basically lined up four months before graduation. So I know that you went to the to the MLL. Um, yep. and it's still around somehow, but um Yes. <laughs> But uh, what was that like for you just to kind of know down this final stretch of your college career, basically, to know that, hey, I have a job already, and how did you stay focused during that time? Well, I knew I still had to graduate. Right. And I'm a firm believer. First off, I put myself through school. Um, So if I was going to graduate, I need to make sure that I did it. Uh, it, it was kind of by chance that the job with the major with Major League Lacrosse came about because I was the PR director for the Baltimore Bayhawks during my undergrad um, in 2003 and 2004, and I found out that the head of PR communications for the league office was leaving, mm-hmm. and I reached out and basically said, you know, I'm going to be graduating in May. I'm looking for a full time job. You know, I do have experience with the league. I think I can help you. And what they did was they took that PR position and split it in two. Hmm. So they had a PR person who was more of the the face, uh, the spokesman. And then they had um, a media services manager, which was my job. Okay. Actually, I think the title was director of media services. Yeah. And that was the SID, the day-to-day communications Notes, stats, records, game notes, media guides, all that stuff. Hmm. Um, so I took that job, moved to Boston, uh, graduated on a Sunday, moved to Boston, flew to Boston on a Tuesday. I already, moved, I had already moved my stuff up there two weeks prior. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, I had already had an apartment. 
So I was ready to go. Uh-huh. And I think my first week on the job, I flew to Seattle because there was a neutral site game because they were experimenting with expansion and trying to see what markets might work. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle was first on the list. So I was like, all right, I'm flying out on Friday, going to Seattle cross country and started there and, you know, uh, ended up leaving after the summer because I had an opportunity to uh, move back home and start working at Loyola College, which is now known as Loyola University, Maryland. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not that I didn't enjoy my time up there. It's just opportunity to go back home and be around friends and family. And the salary I was making in Boston, as you know, Boston's not a cheap town to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of nights of college-style eating, if you will. Right, yeah. Water and whatever you can get your hands on. Right. Um, and then I, I went back and worked with them part-time. Oh, yeah? On a seasonal basis for a few years. Hmm. Hmm. You know, in the same capacity. Um, which worked out, because it was during the summer, so it wasn't as busy, you know, at the college level. But, you know, still staying staying involved. And even after I left, you know, I still talked to guys in in, in the lacrosse world and you know they always ask me do you miss it i miss it a little bit mm-hmm. not as much because i'm a little busier here but right. uh, <laughs> you know it, it is it, it was an experience and their mlo is entering its 20th season coming up in in 2019 and it's hard to believe how much it's grown um, yeah and how much it's changed too yeah i think um i was looking at the inside lacrosse preseason poll and everything the other day, and I was like, God, I wish we had lacrosse. But we are getting a, uh, we're getting an MCLA uh, club team okay. here soon. So I think that might help out a little bit, but not to the extent of, you know, actually, eventually. yeah, actually going to the stadium, watching a Division Two showdown or something like that between Mercyhurst yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, you didn't really get to leave lacrosse all that much with a Loyola University, don't you think? Nope, not at all. Yeah. Um, it was my role at Loyola was I was the SID for selected sports. I think it was when I first started, it was volleyball, track and field, cross country, rowing, hmm. tennis, maybe. Yeah. And then I was secondary for everything else. But I was also the PA announcer for men's basketball. And I was the radio voice for women's basketball and women's lacrosse. Had you, um, had you done any play by play or anything like that before? I had done, I took a class at Towson, and I did one game at Loyola as, during my undergrad about a few months prior to me getting hired there. Hmm. And I was very fortunate. That's where that TV help, that TV work right. that I did as the graphics came in real, real handy because I got to ex- learn from one of the best, I think, in the business, and Scott Garceau, who's a local broadcaster in Baltimore. And he taught me how to, you know, do spotting boards. He told me the the important things of, you know, how to call action and, you know, listening and watching him. And uh, Joe Beninati of the Washington Capitals uh, is another one. Uh, I met Joe through Major League Lacrosse during my undergrad days. And, you know, I still talk to Joe every so often. Um, you know, he would give me feedback on, on games. So, yeah, until I really got started at Loyola full-time, I hadn't done a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can I can say the first couple of basketball broadcasts were a little rough. Um, 
but that was also the year that they went to the conference final. Uh, they flew me out to San Diego for a tournament hmm. with women's basketball because normally it was only home games that we would do. Yeah. But they wanted me, the coach wanted me to go to San Diego, um, and they made it happen. And I called two games out there, and then the conference tournament they did the. This was all web streaming. This wasn't even on uh, terrestrial radio. Uh-huh. And they made a run to the conference final, and I did every game. Now, remember when I said the sports when I started? Yeah. I also became the men's basketball contact in the middle of the season. Ah. So how uh, did you kind of there, facilitate all those roles and then with your new ones? Uh, I was very busy. I was very single at the time. <laughs> and it worked out. You know, I was already going to be at men's basketball home games anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, so it wasn't that. It was the travel. And fortunately, it worked out just how the schedule in, in the league worked out that I didn't have to miss a home game on the women's side. Um, you know, we also had the swimming and diving championships at home. And I was the contact for that. Mm-hmm. And I was the PA announcer for the championship for all of our home meets, too. Wow. Neil yeah. say there was a very busy weekend in February. Uh, yeah. Where we had women's basketball at home, men's basketball at home, and the swimming and diving championship all at home. I was lucky to have a voice when I was done on that Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but, I couldn't imagine the... Uh the chaotic things that had to go along. And speaking of which, um, you worked with a league office, and then all of a sudden you were back placed in a SID-type office. So was there much adjustment coming back? I mean, which what was life like at so, either one? Because there wasn't long enough of a period between the two. Right. Um, being at Towson and then going to the MLO and then going back to Loyola, I will say this, being in a league office now, Gave me a new respect on the folks that work in the conference offices. You know, there are times where colleagues of mine will say, I can't believe this player didn't get player of the week. Um, And all of a sudden, I'm like, I know what they're sitting through. I know it's not easy. Like, it's not it's not an easy decision on Monday to pick out players of the week. Right. So I know that process. Hmm. Am I happy with their decisions all the time? No. But I'm not going to be one of those people that bangs down the door and says, give my kids some respect. I know. It's not easy. Right. It kind of gives uh, you that uh, perspective. I think it's what's, uh, what is it called? Listen before you speak. I mean, yeah. or seek to understand, then be understood, I think yes. is the other term. So definitely um, – some things that uh, other SIDs might be able to do. And let's talk about that for a minute because you worked a lot with television. You worked a lot with, and like you, you've referenced it a lot, working in television, working with the graphics, working with play-by-play. You, you've been just about every facet of that industry. So what would you say to SIDs that maybe are just now working with new TV people or maybe some new things and they're not quite sure what, TV needs? How would you go about that? Ask them. Flat out, ask them what they need. Mm. Do not give them any anything other than what they need. It is amazing. And, and, you know, especially during basketball season, there are so many games, and the the turnaround time between those games is not the, not the quickest. In our league, the Colonial Athletic Association, we play in league 
on the women's side, Friday, Sunday. Hmm. So you essentially have 24 hours to turn around your notes. What I do, and I'm, I'm a little proactive in this, and I'll give you an example. We played at Delaware and Drexel last week. And I know the Delaware broadcaster very well uh, through my experience of living in Delaware and working with him with the Wilmington Blue Rocks as a game day employee. So I have his email address. I emailed him on Monday. Here are my stats. Here is our last box score. Here's where you can find the rest of them. And here are our clips for the season. I don't know if he's going to use them or not, but it's being proactive. Right. And then as soon as my notes are done, I send them along. But if you have the ability to talk directly to the folks that you're going to be working with, ask them exactly what they need. Okay. Um, And I did the same thing with the Drexel guy, too. I sent him everything on Friday. We played Friday at noon. We were playing Drexel on Sunday. I sent him stats, clips, all the same stuff on Friday afternoon, updated, of course, and it's notes first thing Saturday morning. Gives him time to up to, to prepare. Uh, and he had actually written back to me and said that he wasn't going to deal with it until Sunday morning, but he appreciated the fact that I was so proactive. Right. Um, and the reason I gave them clips is just because you never know if there's a, a quote in a story that if they can scan it, um, our beat writer here in Wilmington for the Wilmington Star News is pretty good about keeping stories short, um, so you can sort of sort of have an idea. But yeah, in terms of dealing with TV and radio, ask them what they need. Reach out to them first and be like, hey, I know you guys are coming to our place soon. We can't wait to have you. What can I do to help you make your job easier? Right, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, yeah, we still deal with social media and graphics and, and all the, the new technology stuff, but we're still communicators and we're still information providers and you still have to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and make sure, Hey, if they want to come to practice, they want to come to shoot around, you know, let them know when the times are, make sure your coach is okay with it. Unfortunately, I have a women's basketball coach that's all for it. Yeah. Um, you know, she loves having people come to practice and, and talk to her and she's never turned down an interview, uh, to the best of my knowledge in the two years that she's been at UNCW. So, you know, find out what they need, find out how you can help them. Um, you know, and don't, don't kill yourself over 50, 60 pages of notes because they're not going to read through them. They don't have the time to do it. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I don't have the time to do it and I write the daggone things. And when I do games, a lot of it comes from what I've already put in the notes. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't kind of, I what I usually do is uh, I don't really reference the game notes as if I will take what I want out of them, but I'm not gonna like habitually reference the notes over and over. No. I would have had already had it on my like you said a spotting chart or anything like that. Yep. Um, let's go back to some of your background here a little bit. I want to know how you got and ended up at uh, UNCW. Um, what was life like at that time for you? I mean, okay. was there much of a transition between uh, Maryland and uh, North Carolina? Well, here's the thing. So my, my lineage goes Major League Lacrosse in the summer of 2005 yeah. to Loyola 2005 to August of 2006. And I got a call from the folks at Towson. Hey, we got an opening. We want you to come back. We want you to come join us full time. Hmm. And it had been a dream of mine to work with Pete and Dan, who I referenced earlier on a full-time basis, I was like, okay, you know, you're making me an offer. I, you know, I got to come, 
it's like coming home. And, and Rob Ambrose, who's the Towson head coach, always referenced a quote, when mama calls, you come home. <laughs> yeah. So then I was at, at Towson for better part of six years, uh, minus a couple of months. And then I left Towson uh, to take a Division two job in Wilmington, Delaware, at Goldie Beacom College, small Division two school. Uh, I would be running my own shop. Uh, one person staff for 10 sports. Hmm. Uh, and I had some other college responsibilities. I was there for two and a half years. And Joe Browning, who's the senior associate AD for communications here at UNCW, and I've known Joe since I was in college, because when Towson joined the CAA in 2001, 2002, we met, I got to know him. We stayed friends. We stayed in contact. And whenever he came up to Delaware with, with the Seahawks basketball team, we would have dinner. So July of 2014, I'd just gotten married. Uh, was not looking to go anywhere. And all of a sudden, Joe calls my cell phone in the middle of the summer. I'm like, what is Joe calling me for? I was getting ready to score a minor league baseball game. I'm like, yeah. he can't be calling me for anything legitimate. I didn't answer the phone. And hmm. he left a voicemail. He, you know, which meant he knew, he, he meant to call. And I called him back and he said, yeah, um, so-and-so's leaving. You know, how would you like to to possibly come join our staff? And I was, I was surprised. Um, and then a few weeks later, you know, once everything got taken care of at, at this university level, applied for the job had a phone interview. He offered me the job and it was probably the toughest decision I've had to make from a professional standpoint because I was, I was in a good place at Goldie Beacon. Mm -hmm. The people were fantastic. Uh, the school was, it was making strides to, to improve every aspect, not just athletics, but everything. And, and they were a good school to begin with, but the staff there, we were a tight knit, small staff and we had, bonded and it, and it took took a little bit of convincing for my wife who always wanted to live by the water and live somewhere warm um, to make the decision to move down to Wilmington, North Carolina I know, mm -hmm. I'm going from one Wilmington to another should be that right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but it has been an adjustment getting back, it, it's been an adjustment I've been at UNCW now for over four years um, and it's it, you know, every day is still an adjustment getting you know, because I still feel like, you know, getting out of Division One, getting back into Division One. You know, there are some times where the the lifestyles change. Let's talk a little bit about what happens when you, like you said, Mama comes calling, you got to go home, or, or something to that effect. So, what did it mean to you to come back and work? You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what did it mean for you to come back and work for your alma mater? You know, it was it was. The good thing was I was down the street. It wasn't like I had left. A lot of the same people were there. Yeah. Um, still owned a lot of the clothes that I had from when I was an undergrad. So it wasn't like anything really had changed there. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was the fact that they wanted me to come back meant a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got a lot of opportunities as a result of that Towson experience. Um, you know, I was a part of running three national women's lacrosse championships 
at Towson. I was the media coordinator for three of them in wow. a row. Hmm. Um, I also got to experience the College World Series in Omaha in the last year that it was at Rosenblatt and serving as the press conference moderator for that. Um, obviously, conference championships and, and other big events. But my portfolio expanded because of the fact that we were a small staff and everybody had to pitch in. Uh-huh. And during my time at Towson, I think I worked with 95% of the teams mm-hmm. in one way, shape, or form. Um, there was one year because we had had some staffing changes and things hadn't worked out that I had 10 teams by myself. And we had 20 at the time. So it was a busy year. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that kind of gave me a glimpse of, of how tough it can be. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also the first year that we were hosting the national championship. Wow. Uh, which, for a media coordinator, it's not as tough until you find out who the teams are. Yeah. When you find out who's coming to Towson to come play for a national title, then you start trying to figure things out because now you start getting media requests. Who am I going to sit where? Um, right. And that was probably the toughest part. So the experience added to my portfolio and added to my skill set to where I kind of had an idea, you know, of how to deal with various sports. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something that um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I think it's interesting. You keep in contact with everybody. You network really well. Um, and I know that you go a little bit of above and beyond that con- initial connection by, uh, don't you do some handwritten notes or anything like I that? I do. I do. Um, it all goes back when I first got at UNCW, when I first walked into my office, there was a handwritten note from Chris Yandel, who at the time was at Georgia Tech. He's now out of the business. He's published his own book. He, he, he's doing very well. Um, but it got me to thinking, I didn't know Chris. Uh-huh. Um, I had met Chris. I knew of him. I knew his work. I knew how talented he was. And we had, we had gone back and forth via email, you know, trying to pick his brain, you know, during my time at Towson, but I'd never met him. Mm-hmm. And for him to take time to do that, to sit down and write me a note, put it in the mail, meant a lot. So, starting last academic year, I started doing the same. People that I know, people I don't know. You know, somebody joins the league, you know, in terms of an SID in our league, I try and reach out to them. Uh-huh. Let them know, hey, welcome to the league, glad to have you on board. And, you know, if there's anything that, that I can do to help you, you let me know. Um. And I do it because I know in this day and age, technology makes it easier for us to communicate. But you can't tell how sincere in certain cases. Like I could write a thank you note to somebody via email. You can't tell unless I put a whole lot of color and explanation emojis. And, you know, it's that personal touch. And so I think over the last year and a half, I think if my count is right, it's over 200. Sometimes it's a thank you note. Sometimes it's a, hey, you know, best of luck with the start of the season. Uh, congratulations on, you know, an event. Uh, good luck with an event. Uh, happy holidays, something. I mean, I send I send some of my best SID friends. They're on my holiday card list. Wow. You know. Yeah. Yeah, not a bad because, idea. 
you know, it, it, uh, and it's not everybody, but it's people I know. And I keep track of all that stuff. Mm. Um, just to know if I'm making an impact or not. Um, but that networking does come back and help. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, my friend was an intern for the Cincinnati Reds in their media relations department. This was, I think, about three years ago. Mm. And I went out and visited. He let me, their media relations staff, uh, let me come out and hang out in the press box for a couple games. And, you know, my objective was to stay out of everybody's way. Uh, which I hopefully did because I didn't get thrown out. Uh, But after that trip, I sat down and I wrote each one of the staff members a handwritten thank you note and sent it in the mail. And I got a a genuine email back from, I think, two or or maybe all. Hey, thanks for taking the time to to send us a note. We We enjoyed having you out there. You know, now I include them on my list of start of baseball seasons. Hey, I'm going to sit down. Rob Butcher, the Cincinnati Reds, who's their head of their communications. I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to wish him the best of luck, and I'm going to let him know if he needs ever needs help to let me know. Mm-hmm. You know, I may not be able to help him. I may be able to help him, but it's still making that connection. Right. Uh, because at the end of the day, yeah, we do a job, but there's also a personal aspect to it. Right. right and if right. you can make somebody's day just by that, you never know what they're going through. You know, they may be having a bad day. I came back from a a, a road trip last a uh, couple weeks ago and there was a note in, you know in my office somebody had taken the time to send me a note in the mail and it, and it arrived when i got back and it was a it, our weekend road trips are not the easiest i mean uh-huh. yeah we don't play but yeah four-day road trip takes a toll especially if you're on a bus or even a plane um you know so it felt good to know that somebody was thinking of me you know and i try and do the same you know, have I done as many as I want to? No. Um, oh, really? Not but that's too... just because of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, they take time. You know, you don't just... I try and take time and, and think about what I'm going to write to somebody. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, a lost art form, I would say. Uh, I yes. know it, It's real big after Cosida. I, I know yes. that, that that's the thing, but um, not enough, and you've written 200 and something, huh? Uh, it's close to 200, yeah. I, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. I have a Google spreadsheet where I document every one I send out, the date I send it out, and, and this year's list, what the, the reason was, oh, okay. just so I know. Yeah. And then I also document whether I get a, a response of some sort, an acknowledgement that they received it. Okay. And what just is, so that way I know. Yeah. What does that Obviously, tell you when somebody responds? It, it tells me, A, it got there. Yeah. Because in this day of sna- you know, snail mail, if it doesn't get there, I'm kind of disappointed. A, I've you know, spent money on a stamp. And B, I took the time I was hoping to get there. But it also tells me, hey, you know, that they appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That they acknowledge it. You know, and they, as long as they get it. And I don't care whether it's uh, – somebody asked me this a, a few weeks ago, how, what, consider, what constitutes a response. It can be a text message. It can be an email. It could be an acknowledgement on social media. It could be a return note. Any of those things count. It's not just, hey, you know, thanks for sending me a note. Now I'm sending you one in return. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the the uh, again, some of them are thank you notes. I'm not expecting a, a necessarily a return on investment on that. Right. Okay. But you know, there are some. Hey, good luck. 
you know, best of luck of the season. You know, you, you just never know. And it's just, again, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but I know, like, starting next, you know, when I go to next year and start, you know, in the, in the late summer and early fall, the people that acknowledge it, I know they're going to be at the top of the list because I know they're going to get it and I know they're going to appreciate it. Hmm. Okay. All right. You're just basically knowing where to put your time and energy in, yes. into something. Yeah. You don't want to kind of just throw it out there for, for right. to not necessarily be wasted, but you know what I mean. No. Um, and one of those, one of those notes I sent out, I think it was right before the holidays. Yeah. It was right before the holidays. I've been listening to a podcast by Rebecca Fiorentino who works at Duke university in their blue devil network. And she had started a, a podcast and, it was, it's called Untold Sideline Stories, and she's, you know, there's been one episode thus far. And she's, you know, hopefully going to do more. Uh-huh. And I listened to it on my way to work, and I was, I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is, this is stuff that any sportsman would want to listen to. Uh-huh. So I took the time. I wrote her a note. I hadn't met her. I follow her on Twitter, but I haven't met her. And a couple weeks go by, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I get an email from her. Thank you so much for your note. I was floored to get it, you know, and I even told her, I said, if you ever need a subject for it, let me know. I may not have the greatest stories to tell, but (laughs) being in the profession for nearly 20 years, I could tell a few. Yeah. Um, And she was just appreciative. And that's the thing I made, you know, I made somebody's day. And at the end of the the end of my day, that's what I want to do. And there are times where I send emails, um, I don't, I don't think she'll mind me telling this, but Maddie Heaps, who's a GA at Eastern Michigan, gotten to know her through social media. And every Monday, I will sit down and I will write her an email. Hey, good luck this week. Hang in there. I'll try and give her some sort of positive quote. Mm-hmm. If you need me, call me. I'm always here. You know, just because I know she wants to, get, you know, she wants to be in the business. And just to, just for her to know that somebody out there is looking looking out for her okay um you know and she's involved in the cosida mentor program and whatnot but it's just trying to help somebody else because that's what we i mean that's a lot of what we do mm-hmm. but this isn't just an sid helping an sid with an event this is somebody helping somebody else to enjoy the job and enjoy the journey of it because at the end of the day it's, this is a marathon not a sprint we go through a grind and you know there are weeks where you know somebody could be having a bad day so you want to try and help them out. And that's, that's the whole premise of trying to make it more personal instead of just picking up, you know, picking up an email and saying, Oh, Hey, you know, I need this, 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 and this from you, or, Hey, you're coming to our place. You know, here's what you need to know. Okay. All right. It's funny that you mentioned Maddie because we just talked to her last week at the time of this recording and she's actually coming out this Thursday. So okay. you guys are perfectly aligned, timed up with yeah. everything like that. But she uh, she's going to be a rock star in our profession. I can just tell it. <laughs> yeah. uh, she's going to be a rock star in this profession. I, I can't wait to see what's next for her. Uh, I haven't met her yet. I hope to do that at Cosida this this June. Um, but all that that she's done, not only professionally but personally as well, she's going to be a rock star. She's going to be somebody that that people will genuinely want to be around and, and want to want to gravitate to and, yeah uh i can't wait to see what happens for her next you have a pretty extensive uh credential collection i mean how does yes. that come about i mean a lot of people like me my girlfriend made a 
a little kind of like a plaque thing with some knobs and they all hang from it. So, I mean, like how, like you, like you just kind of said off air, people collect baseball cards and uh, you collect credentials. Yeah. People collect baseball cards or rocks or stamps or whatever. And I have all of the credentials that have been issued to me since my senior year of high school, which as of Sunday, Sunday, the 27th of January is now up to 603. Wow. And yes, I have them all cataloged with as much information as I as I possibly I did it a few weeks ago uh, just to see where I was uh-huh. and I had them all I remember the first one I ever got it was from the University of Delaware it was when I was still trying to decide where I was going to go to school uh, it was between Delaware and Towson conference rivals nonetheless and I remember the credential I still have it I, I did a throwback Thursday last year I think because we were heading up there and it was January 22nd and the year is 200 so either I've aged really well or there was a mistake made somewhere. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I've aged well, I mean, you know, come on. But, um, no, I have them all. And then what I do is every year during the year, I'll put them up on the bulletin board in my office in order for the most part, depending on size, you know, depending on if I can fit a smaller one in a certain spot, they may go out of order. But they go across row by row. And at the end of the year, and I'll catalog them during the, during the course of the year as I put them up. The end of the year, I have three bins in my office, and they're all sorted by type in terms of event type things. So I have I have one for Major League Lacrosse. I have one for NCAA championships. I have one for uh, Major League Baseball, one for Minor League Baseball, one for certain schools that I've been to a whole bunch of times as my dog is barking like a madhouse You're good. behind me. Um, and I keep them, and they have all turned out in really good shape over the course of 18, 19 years. Some of some show somewhere, but that's because they were showing where to begin with. Uh, my my 2001 Baltimore Bayhawks credential when I was working for the TV station in Baltimore, and that was the first year of Major League Lacrosse. The corners are a little a little ragged, but uh-huh. I took Scotch tape to them during the course of the season to make sure it stayed in place. Um, I don't know exactly how or why I started keeping them all. But it is pretty cool every once in a while to go back and look and see the types of places I've been. Yeah. Um, or, hey, I know I don't have, you know, one for this place. Now, now I'm going to add it. Right. Yeah. Some have some have my name on it. Some have my picture on it. Some have, don't have any information on it because that's how it was given to us. Um, you know, but every so often I'll go back. I'll look through them, especially at the end of the year and be like, OK, it's a pretty cool list. Mm hmm. Um, I don't have a favorite. Uh, there's, it's like having your own favorite child. You just can't pick one. Um, I mean, I do have a bunch. I mean, I think I have over 30 alone from the Colonial Athletic Association tournaments, uh, which I think might pair up with Delaware or, or Towson maybe for the most. I haven't looked and see who has the most yet. But there are some where I have one. There are some where I have thirty, and it, it's just it show it chronicles where I've been and what I've done and 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 some of the fun along the way. And yeah. it's it's really cool. Uh, um, again, I might be in the minority when I say that it's cool, but uh, you know I don't know what I'm going to do with them eventually uh-huh. uh, because there's so many. There's just you know there's so many, and it, again I don't know that I can pick out certain ones 
I probably wallpaper an entire wall in my man cave room right now with them. Yeah. If yeah. I really wanted to. If you I'd really probably yeah. go wall, wall, you know, end to end. Um, not that I want to do that, but um, right, right. You know, there there are some really good ones in there, um, and there are some ones where I'm like, okay, I wish I put more information on it because when you go to catalog them and you don't know what year they're from. You don't know what game it was from. You right. have to put a blank. I know what it, what it was issued for, but I don't know specifically what it was. Right. Um, so, but it, it's it's a good collection. Again, some people like baseball cards and stamps and rocks and all sorts of other things. I like seeing where I've been, and you know, it does help because you never know when you're going to have to design a credential, and you just want to know what what the best ways to do it are. Uh huh. Yeah, it's kind of like your own little scrapbook. Basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we did have a great conversation and let us know what you guys thought of that episode. But, uh, Eric, I'd like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. Sure. Um, first one I have for you is a uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure. Oh, favorite memory. Mm, there's a lot of them. I would say probably seeing a full stadium for the 2008 NCAA lacrosse championships in Towson. It was record setting. It was packed. Um, over the course of those three years, we sold out the stadium, I think twice. Hmm. And that seated 11,000 or wow. close to it. Um, but just seeing the, the hard work of all of us, all of the staff pay off. Um, I think Northwestern won it that year. I know they were there. They win it every year. Yeah, like. no, they don't. Not anymore. They don't. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, there, there are some juggernauts that have caught a sort of caught oh, up. So, thank I think it was goodness. Penn, Penn, Syracuse, Northwestern, maybe Maryland. Might yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. that, in that case, here's here's the funniest part of that weekend. I know the guys at Penn pretty well, uh-huh. and obviously we were getting close to the to um, to the weekend. And they were like, yeah, we need this, we need this, we need this. And I jokingly said to them, okay, you can have all that, but you have to deliver a cheesesteak on Friday. Uh-huh. And I was totally kidding with them. I, I didn't expect it. But sure enough, Friday afternoon, here they come with a cheesesteak from Abner's in Philadelphia. Nice. And they told me that they had t- left that morning, picked up the cheesesteak, let it sit on the um, sit in the car all day. With the sun beating down through the window. So, yeah. so it was on, on, And it was still hot. The bread was still intact. It was phenomenal. I went in the media room, shut the door, locked it, and enjoyed my cheesesteak. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. So I think that out of, I, I still I still can't believe that they did that. But, in fact, I saw those guys um, this past weekend. I didn't have a chance to remind them of that. I should have brought them a cheesesteak, for crying out loud. But they get them anytime they want. I get them once a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Um, so I was at Loyola, and we had, this was in early August, and the men's basketball coach at the time was was could be difficult to work with. And there was an instance where he had been asking for photos for something, and I can't remember exactly what it was. I don't think it was anything geared towards him, but it was geared towards something. He asked for a player. I think his high, a high school coach asked for players. 
uh, player photos for some other venture, whatever. And I deferred to my boss because he controlled all those photos. He had them. He had the archive. And it manifested to the point where we were sitting in our office. It was my boss and myself. The third member of our staff was on vacation. I was sitting at her desk working on a project because my computer didn't have what I needed for it. And I had an interaction with this head coach who had come up the stairs. And you could hear him come up the stairs from from our office. And 20 minutes later, uh, I'll shorten the story for the, for the sake of time. Yeah. I'm sitting in my office. I'm sitting in the office shaking visibly by the time he left. And my boss, who was mo- the most mild-mannered individual I've ever worked for, used an expletive and stormed out the door. And I'm like, what in the world am I going to do? Like, I, I lost it. I broke down. I, I was done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this has never happened. I don't know what to do. Um, I obviously went home for the rest of the day because at that point I'm like, I, I have no answer. You know, I asked people for advice and they're, they didn't even really have an idea. And, you know, uh, this was late in my tenure at Towson or at Loyola, excuse me. And it sort of happened right around the time that Towson came calling. So could you call it a coincidence? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, it just happened to happen that way. But that was probably the one time where I was that that's my biggest horror story is, um, you know, having to deal with that. Um, okay. You know, obviously things don't work at times. You have disagreements, but that one, that one floored me a little bit. That one, that one shook me for, for a good while. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, change the next question a little bit up here. Um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, I'm still trying to get better with graphics. Um, I have a base knowledge, um, but do I have the ability to create some of the things that I've seen? No. And would I like to? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, just the talent that is in our profession right now. And it runs from, you know, newcomers all the way up. Just, um, trying to learn to be better every day. Um, you know, and, and graphic wise, that's where we're going. That's where we are. Um, you know, the days of long drawn out stories are over. Uh, I cut my game recaps down quick. Uh, they're short because if people want to really know what happened blow by blow, they'll go to the play by play and the stats. But graphically, you know, the big thing is, you know, trying to get better at that. Um, you know, I know how to do a media guide and game notes and write a press release and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But graphically, I could still learn a few things. Okay. And I hope to. I mean, I'm still, I still feel like I'm young enough to. Um, it's just a matter of getting the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, uh, that's funny because I, I think everybody, every other person we talk to, that's just about their answer is the graphics and the after effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, in your mind, what what characteristics or traits make a good SID? Uh, I think you have to be able to multitask. I think you have to be able to tell a story. You have to be able to write. Regardless of how many graphics you do, you still have to be able to write a press release or a story. I think it's very important. Um, communicate 
and be personable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm at fault. I'm not the, I'm not always happy go lucky. There are days where I'm off and, you know, but I think, you know, we're still in a communications and a personality profession. People need to know that they can come to you for information. They need to know that, um, if you have a story to tell that they're, that you can tell it or that they know they can come to you for it. Mm. Um, but all those things, but multitasking, especially with, with crossover season and being able to juggle so many hats, got to be able to multitask. Um, cause you never know when something's going to come up and you got to deal with that and deal with preparing for a game or getting ready to travel somewhere or, um, just anything can happen. Right. Right. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Ask questions, learn. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, Perfect. You can always learn on a daily basis. There's no, I think it was Chris Berman who was quoted in the ESPN commercial as saying, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And then he's right. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Ask the question, try and learn. If you're asking the question to somebody who's been in the business, it's because you want to learn from them. And I think that's the most important thing is being able to learn on a daily basis. I've been in this profession, if you count my undergrad years, nearly 20 years. And I'm still asking questions. Yeah. Um, not as often as you would think, but still I'm asking those questions every so often. Hey, why, why did we do it this way? Or what do you think about changing it up and, and doing it this way? Uh-huh. You know, it's all about, you know, changing things and, and listening and asking questions. You were talking earlier about listening more than you speak. My high school baseball coach, who was one of the funniest guys I've ever worked with in terms of, you know, as a coach, wrote my senior year book, listen four times more than you speak. And it's a very good piece of advice. Because you're going to learn more if you listen than if you try and jump in. Um, and I'm guilty of doing the opposite of times, and I'm still trying to learn how to, you know, make sure that it's all about listening. But um, learn, ask questions, and listen yeah. would be the biggest advice. And yeah. don't, be af- don't be afraid to ask. Right. And, and there's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth, too. That, that goes back to, yeah. that goes back to the listening thing. Yes. Um, Next time someone is in the uh, Wilmington, North Carolina area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, oh, good grief. Um, there's so many spots. I wish you would ask me about Baltimore because i got a really good spot for there. Well, you can say uh, that too. Which I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, our seafood is tremendous. Uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives came here back earlier in 2018 and profiled five different spots. Copper Penny is, is really good. Um Something Fishy, which is down the street from my house. I haven't been there yet, but it's really good. Um, trying to think of the place. I'm trying to think of the place in Wrightsville Beach that I go to all the time. Seafood spot. Looks over the beach. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. <laughs> um, Happens to the best of us. Yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm visioning it because we go there all the time for special occasions. Um, but, I mean, you can't find a bad spot in Wilmington food wise. Oh, so many spots, but copper penny is one of my favorites. Um, there's an Italian place called a taste of Italy right down the street from campus. That's really, really good for Italian uh, chicken parm is phenomenal. There's a new place that just opened right by the target here in town called Agostino's. 
and I'm going to blame Tina Martin, our assistant women's basketball coach, for getting me hooked on it. Uh (laughs) Oh, it is so her fault. I told her that. I said, this is all your fault. I mean, it's it's good. The portions are huge. If you are done there and you're hungry, it's your fault. Um, My wife and I get takeout from there a couple times a month, and it's just – it's two my two meals in one. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Baltimore, my hometown, there's a place called Chaps Pit Beef. It's nationally known. It's been on diners, drive-ins, dives, man versus food. I'm telling you, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. Nice. I don't care what you get there. You are going to be full when you're done. It's fantastic. They've got three locations, one in Baltimore, one in Aberdeen, one in Frederick. And every time I go to town... And I'm heading there in a couple of weeks with women's basketball. I'm going to find a way to get there. Even if I have to Uber, uh-huh. I'm going to get there. I'm going to pick up a sandwich. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to probably pick one up for our strength coach. Nice. Who travels with us. Nice. Because well. I keep telling him about it. Of course, I just came from Philly. And, yes, we did get our share of cheesesteaks. Cool. Well, um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe want to follow up with you, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, you can Twitter is always good uh, at Eric Rue. Uh, first name, last name, really easy. Uh, email is fine. Um, you know, feel free to call. You know, I'm I'm always open to talk to people. Uh, I may not have all the answers. I may not have the best way of doing things, but I'm always open to, to conversation and, and certainly, um, you know, the, we can help each other out. I mean, I could probably learn something off of that person. They can learn something off me, maybe. Or it could be a one-way street where I learned something off them, which I would be opposed to either. Awesome. Well, cool. Um, Eric, thank you very much for coming on. We all do very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, guys, there you have it. We thank you all for joining us on episode 108-109 next week with a familiar face if you've been with us for two-plus years. Uh, Lamar Carter, uh, the 2016 Rising Cosida Rising Star Award winner, uh, he will join us as he has now regained a position in the athletic communications field with NJIT in Newark, uh, New Jersey, his hometown. We'll go through all about um, his how he came to be in sports information uh, his time at Rutgers. Um, if you, you any any of you know anything about Lamar, um, went from a junior college to mid-majors or Division One to a Power Five, and I believe something like a span of five or six years. It went that quickly for him at ASA College to Howard to Cal. Uh, but he will detail it all, and you will have to catch us on that edition of SID Cast next week. Until then, leave us a rating and a review. Join our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. And uh, as always, guys, uh, thank you all for listening and hope you all see you all in the next episode.